You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Last week against the Cleveland Browns, we saw what not to do with a rookie quarterback in his first start. So that should clear a little bit more of a a blueprint for us to put together a game plan for a bounce back performance from Justin Fields against the Detroit Lions, with maybe a little more help from the Bears defense against clearly a lesser opponent this time around. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. Subscribe to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts coming your way as well. I want to thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. The Locked On Podcast Network bringing you Locked On Bears five days a week, free and available on all platforms. And today... We're getting into game plan mode. We're going to get down and dirty, find the matchups, and go through, okay, what do the Chicago Bears need to do specifically to beat the Detroit Lions? Starts with Justin Fields and and getting this young quarterback in a much more advantageous position compared to what we saw last week against the Cleveland Browns. It comes down to shutting down the Lions running game a little bit, forcing Jared Goff to have to be more of the one to beat you, and we'll go through some strategies on where you might look to do that. And then we'll wrap up with really some of the key matchups that I think are going to decide this game on both sides of the ball and what the Bears need to do to try and minimize some of the Lions' strengths and, of course, attack many of their weaknesses. But it's all about the quarterbacks and Justin Fields. All indications are that Fields is healthy, ready to go. Andy Dalton, not so much. And so as the depth chart goes, Nick Foles presumably then going to be the backup once again. And so it's Matt Nagy's opportunity to make up for his mistakes that we saw all over the game plan last week. Certainly Justin Fields made a lot of mistakes last week. The offensive line made a ton of mistakes last week. And both of those end up coming back on Matt Nagy, and that's what we focused on on a lot of the podcasts this week. Highly encourage you, go back and listen to Tuesday and Wednesday's podcast. We went through the All-22 film, the breakdown, you know what we saw from Fields on a lot of those sacks, and what we saw from Matt Nagy schematically, and what we saw from the offensive line as well. We've heard some of Matt Nagy's comments this week about admitting some mistakes here and there and how they're still learning and figuring this out as we go, and there's certainly some frustration built into that. But I think first and foremost, against a team like the Lions too, you got to try and get back to the running game and actually have like a meaningful impactful running game to build some play action off of because you don't actually have to be running the ball well to have play action generally speaking have the desired effect on the opposing defense that linebackers even if you even if your running game hasn't been playing well the linebackers still want to come up and stop it again even if they've been stopping it all game so it still works but your play action has to be uh like a believed threat it has to be an actual thing and not just a token you know fake a sort of a weak ball handoff in shotgun when everyone's pass blocking and you know receivers are running routes and no one really believes right it doesn't really sell the running game that much it's more a lot of it has to do with the quarterback but also the the situation the formation the running back's motion and how you've been running plays earlier in that game that maybe match that because then when you come back to the rollouts and the play action under center you know you'd like to then have run runs that look similar to the play action that you're faking. So then they won't be able to tell whether it's fake or whether it's not. Because in the Browns game, the Bears would run some play action out of shotgun, 
and then hand it off off a shotgun. But then when they went to the under center play action rollouts, they'd fake the handoff, but the edge defender would always kind of be waiting for Justin Fields. And Fields could take a wider, deeper path to expend that a little bit more. The, the, play, the play action themselves could have a tight end or a wide receiver chip on that end, end man on the line of scrimmage at first before breaking into a route to give Fields more time to get looped around the free yard. There's more things Matt Nagy can do with the play action and with the boot action game to make them more effective. But also, you'd like to see just a little bit more of it. Saw it three to four to five times against the Browns, but it wasn't really until the second half. It took them a while to get going. Same thing with screens. Against the Browns, they, they threw one to t- Cole Komet that was set up really well and ended up coming back from a holding penalty. They had one to David Montgomery that I can't remember if that one was penalized as well, but both of those non-wide receiver screens did a nice job of sucking the pass rush in leaving some space to get a playmaker the ball in their hands. And I'd like to see more of that as well. But I I really think you have to be, first and foremost, committed to the running game a bit more in this one for Justin Fields. That, you know, the Lions this this year have not had a terrible run defense by any means, and they haven't really allowed running backs in particular to have big breakout games. You know, the, the four yards of carry kind of thing, if you stick with it, you'll get your three to four over the course of the game, but they haven't really allowed big breakaway runs. You know, 15 yards here, 10 yards there. I think Lamar Jackson has the longest runs that the Lions have allowed this season, and there's some opportunity there for, again, Justin Fields to get those legs involved on those rollouts, cut down the reads a little bit, and let him let him work. Let him have plays that take longer to develop, but don't you know, don't put him in position to be under pressure. I think the running game can take away a lot of that in terms of, you know, defenses having to key in on that first and being able to come back to that and put in more favorable down and distances. Because in the first half last week against the Browns, and even in the second half, it was third and nine, third and 10, third and 12, third and 14. And it's just a tough spot for then the pass rush to be able to just key in on the, on the quarterback and the, the defense to be able to show a lot of different blitzes and the protections to be really, I think, an issue. Some of that Matt Nagy, some of that Sam Mustafer at center, some of that your offensive tackles just not being good. So I'd like to see not only more tight end chips, which there were there were a decent number of tight end chips, and you know the whole seven man five six seven man protection thing is a little bit overblown with the game plan last week. But what we did see is the running backs didn't really help on the edge all that much to help Jason Peters. It was always the tight end if they were going to, and it was never really. Miles Garrett, which is also part of the problem, but the Browns moved them around a little bit, and there's there's some of that that's a little bit out of the offensive play caller's hands sometimes, but then you kind of try and counter and do different things. But too often the Bears would even leave a running back in to pass protect or chip, but they'd stay like on the interior in the A gap or the B gap. They wouldn't have anybody to help, and then they'd go out on the routes, but really they needed the help on the edge. And we'll get into some of the matchups a little bit later, but the Lions pass rush is going to come again more so from the edge than the interior. You know, they've got guys on the inside like former Bear Nick Williams and Michael Brockers that are, you know, they're not really dynamic, you know, disruptive interior pass rushers in the same way. They're big and strong, but they're not they're not necessarily going to collapse the pocket as frequently as you look on the edge of, you know, Romeo Aquora and then I think Trey Flowers is still hurt, but Charles Harris coming off the edge has been very good for them on the bench as well. They they've got some speed over there that especially last week against the Ravens was able to get home against Lamar Jackson. So you'll expect them to do similar things to Fields as the Browns tried to do in terms of five and six man rushes and blitzes coming from different ways and trying to disguise some things and, and throw him off. But I think Fields especially should benefit from another week of practicing as the starter. Maybe some, hopefully some progress from Matt Nagy in terms of learning what his quarterback needs. And then offensive line shouldn't play that poorly against this defense is not going to be as talented in the front seven in Detroit as it was in Cleveland. So there's reason to believe the Bears offense should be better. It's just a question of will they be better enough 
to beat the Lions. I think it's going to take some uh, some added bonus from this Bears defense, trying to take advantage of Jared Goff, who has never lit them up in the past, but the Rams always had decent success against the Bears in some of those matchups. Whole different ballgame with Goff in Detroit, and we'll put together a game plan here for how to make sure he's not doing anything to, to beat you and, and maybe put him in that position where he has to be the one to beat you rather than relying on his running game. All that and more next on Locked On Bears. Hey, Bears fans, listen up. I want to tell you about a great new app that you need to try. It's perfect for anybody who puts gas in a car, fills up the tank, especially with gas prices nowadays. You need to know about Get Upside. It's an app in App Store and Google Play or the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store, I should say. When you download that app, don't forget our promo code TOUCHDOWN as well to get some bonus cash back because Get Upside gives you up to $0.25 cents per gallon cash back every time you fill the tank. Our promo code TOUCHDOWN can double that on your first Fill up for up to 50 cents per gallon cash back. And man, I'll tell you what, it's it's that simple. The money goes right into your GetUpside account, and then you can connect it to your, your bank account and have a direct deposit that way. You can do it through PayPal. You can cash out through like e-gift cards to Amazon and other vendors as well. And it's it's a great way to, to get some extra money just for filling up like you normally would. Some people who drive a lot can get as much to two to $300 a month cash back just from using the GetUpside app. So download GetUpside in the App Store or Google Play, enter our promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents back per gallon in cash back on your first deposit. Get upside, promo code TOUCHDOWN. Bears are obviously going to want to limit some of the touchdowns here for Jared Goff. Not that the Lions offense has been putting up major points by any means, but this is not, you don't want to have Justin Fields get into a situation where he might have to do some shooting out, right? This is not where you want your rookie quarterback to be. Slow and steady and even, honestly, boring would be totally fine by me. You know, if it's a if it's two touchdowns and a couple of field goals and that's that's all you need, that would be great. I mean, the Lions put up like 33 in their first game, but it's been 17 the last couple of weeks. That's where you need to shut them down and make sure you're not getting into any kind of vertical game and back and forth where the pressure is going to be on fields to lead his team back as things might be crumbling or struggling around them. And I think if I'm Detroit, I'm going to try and want to run the ball a bit more and not put so much on Jared Goff's shoulders. So then if you're Chicago, that seems like game plan number one. It was the plan against the Bengals. I imagine it was the plan against the Browns. It might have been the plan against the Rams, although Stafford was able to do some more things from a passing standpoint. But big time keying in on the running game. We know Goff has never been a, a premier passer. There's a reason why the Rams were pretty willing, ready and willing to give up on their former first-round pick. He's not a, a consistent downfield thrower. In, in Los Angeles, scheme really helped a lot in terms of a lot of different guys getting open in a lot of different ways and receivers making plays after the catch. He, he is a guy that you want to dare to beat you with his arm, especially when you look at the wide receiver talent in Detroit. And we'll get in some matchups in a little bit, but it is not a wide receiver core to write home about. It might be a wide receiver core that if you don't play fantasy football and you don't pay super close attention to, you know, the NFL draft or, and the Lions in general, you might not know any of the wide receivers on the on the Lions. In a, in, a, in a year where, in a league where teams are having three and four really, really good wide receivers, the Browns might not have any. You might remember Quintez Cephas from last year as a rookie for them, played pretty well, but then it's Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown. I mean, they traded for Trinity Benson. It's it's a bunch of nobodies, and that's what their passing offense has reflected. They cannot get the ball consistently to wide receivers. It has all gone through tight ends and running backs for the vast majority of their completions, and there's been some, you know, the occasional shot in there, you know, running backs up a seam, and I think that's going to be a big emphasis. But, but 
first and foremost, they want to run the ball and get some play action going off of that. And, you know, they've got some talent in that backfield. DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams comes over from Green Bay. They've, they've, they've been able to get some things going with their offensive line there. But if I'm the Bears, that means loading up the box. And that's not really what defensive coordinator Sean Desai tends to do with this scheme. It's not the Vic Fangio style as much to load up the box and to because they like to go with more of the two deep safeties and take away the deep shots. You know, say complete passes underneath, we'll live with that. We dare you to do that. You can't beat us doing that all game. And I wonder if a more aggressive approach isn't better for Jared Goff. And I hesitate here because, you know, schematically, if it, don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? And so it's not super critical to, like, abandon all sort of two safety looks. But, like, I don't trust these wide receivers to beat Jalen Johnson one-on-one in man coverage. I know Kendall Vildor and, and then Duke Shelley in the slot, a little bit more of a concern there. But even so, like, do I trust Goff? To, so I trust these things to happen at the same time, that the wide receivers will beat the Bears' corners in, in one-on-one coverage and that then Goff will be able to get the ball to them consistently when you have that Bears' pass rush in front of him. Not so much. So like I, I'd be more inclined to almost go more single deep safety and put Tashawn Gibson, if he's going to play, or Deion Bush up in the box and have another guy in there and say, run into eight-man every time, get your two or three yards of carry, and try and get them in those third-and-long situations, and then make Goff throw in third-and-long, and let Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn you know, blitz and, and get after the quarterback, pin their ears back, and know that it's a passing situation where they don't even have to pay attention to the running game. Because I think the added bonus, then, of having those extra defenders in the box is it can clog up the middle of the field. And that seems to be a little bit more where Jared Goff has wanted to go. That's not universally true, but he wants to go more so to the tight ends and the running backs. And sometimes they'll break to the outside and go more to the sidelines, but it's those matchups that he's been looking to just a little bit more. And so I want some safety and tight end help. Just get get two defenders on TJ Hawkinson. Not that you're you're going to truly double coverage him, but you bracket it a little bit. You know, you have the safety over top in case he's going to go vertical, and then you have the linebacker ready underneath. And you know, then the linebacker can step up if they go to the running back out of the backfield. Instead, you kind of have these multiple layers of, of coverage for those guys, whether they break across the middle of the field or to the outside. I think that's where they want to go with this passing game. And uh, as I look over Jared Goff's numbers, it has been a bit more middle of the field focus, but he's done a decent amount of, of splitting to the outside too, especially a little bit more, I think, to the right side compared to the left if you're if you're trying to find tendencies to, to break into there. But I just don't trust him to consistently hit those plays because I think the Bears' pass rush is going to have some time or is going to have some opportunity to get home and that Goff is not then going to have much time. It's not a strong Detroit Lions offensive line Overall, they've had some injuries that have not been, you know, their fault in terms of team building. The center, Frank Ragnow, is the anchor. And we heard a little bit on yesterday's podcast from Matt Deary from Lockdown Lions about sort of some of the dynamics going in here. And I don't want to get too matchup heavy here, but there should be some opportunities for the Bears to pressure Goff and to make him get rid of the ball quickly. And so if you're sitting in deep off coverage, you know, cover four, two deep safeties and cornerbacks way off, if they're trying to go to this quick passing offense, they're going to have those quick passes. And so... I'd be much more inclined to be physical, press man-to-man coverage. And you know what? Sometimes you're going to lose. Maybe, you, know, you, you have a deep safety back there to make sure it's not a touchdown, but sometimes Duke Shelley's going to get beat, and sometimes Kendall Vildor's going to get beat. But I'm going to trust more often than not that, again, the wide receiver's not going to beat him and that Goff's not going to be able to make that throw given the pass rush that the Bears showed last week against the Cleveland Browns, given that it should be a little bit easier. You don't want to be so predictable defensively in, you know, in cover one, man-free coverage, every single play to where 
they can just go to cover one beaters and run crossing underneath crossing routes and you know a bunch of different things that they know can win against those coverages. You want to mix it up. You want to disguise some things. You'll show two deep safeties and then roll one down aggressively into the box to either jump on a route or come up and make that stop and run defense. But either way, you mix up how you disguise it. You mix up exactly who's going to line up where, and you don't always go man coverage, or maybe you show zone and then switch to man, or show man and then switch to zone, right? You, you don't. You dress it up the same way you would for any other opponent. But I think I can f- feel a little bit better about trying to rely on some of my guys, at least on the outside against those receivers, to be on a little bit more of an island. Certainly Jalen Johnson Island is already uh, being established, that there is an island over there. But Kendall Vildor, this one's this is a good confidence-building matchup for him. I mean, I just I, I know Vildor hasn't been great. He hasn't been as bad as the, sh- the slot guys, right? So there's a spectrum here. And I just think, you know, Kendall Vildor versus Amon Ra St. Brown, the rookie fourth-round pick, I, I want to see what Kendall can do. It's, it's not that I have this huge confidence in Kendall Vildor. It's that I have no confidence in these Lions wide receivers. And if he can shut them down a little bit, we've seen him make a couple of plays on the ball and be physical at the first down marker. And, and that's what I want to see more of is less of that sort of off coverage and let them throw those underneath because that's what they're, they're going to want to do. And if you force if you force Goff to hold it that extra second to let the deeper play develop because you're taking away the underneath stuff, I think that's a pretty good formula for Sean Desai's defense if this Bears pass rush can keep up at the levels it has been at. We'll, we'll get into some of those specific pass rushing matchups and where I think the Bears can find an advantage there. Plus, of course, receivers versus defensive backs. I think there's an advantage there for the Bears and, and how we can find some both some strengths the Bears need to clamp down on and some weaknesses the Bears need to attack next on Locked On Bears. One of my weaknesses is the delicious taste of the world's best tasting protein bars, Built Bars. I have to hold myself, I have to limit myself to eating just one a day because otherwise I would blow through my entire box in in a weekend really because they taste so good, but they're also still good for you. They're all soft, they're easy to chew, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, so they taste like candy bars. And I'll tell you what, the cookie dough chunk box that I've got in my cabinet right now is so good because it has actual cookie dough pieces in it and it tastes still just as delicious. I mean, it's so delicious that it's got the sweet cookie dough bits on top and it, it ta- it's real cookie dough. Like, I mean, it's, it's unbeatable. There is not another product in the market that tastes that good, but then is also low in sugar. I think it's five grams of sugar, 150 calories, but still loaded up with 15 grams of protein and they're high fiber too. It's honestly an elite combination. It's why I'm a huge fan of Built Bars and why I can't implore you enough to go check out BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15, locked L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. The matchups here that I'm most concerned about with the Lions is those tight ends on these Bears linebackers because we saw them have some a lot of success going to TJ Hawkinson as the best friend right now of... Jared Goff, and he's got some good plays dumping off to the running backs, and they've been making some good catch, good yards after the catch. But in terms of like that traditional safety blanket feeling, that's where T.J. Hawkinson has been so far for Jared Goff. As I glance at their numbers real quick, he is their leading receiver, 18 catches for 173 yards and two touchdowns. DeAndre Swift right behind him, 166 yards and 19 catches. I mean, it's it's been that sort of high-low tight end running back checkdown type game, and so that's that's Roquan Smith. That's Alec Ogletree, that's Deion Bush, that's Eddie Jackson, that's those guys. And they'll they'll move him in the slot sometimes, and that can be Duke Shelley. But we've seen, especially from Ogletree, some vulnerability there. Uh, 
Roquan Smith did not have a strong game against Cleveland either, and, and they've got some good tight ends that have been able to do some damage as well. So right, we're seeing that matchup be potentially just something to circle, right? I mean, Austin Hooper, David Joku, and Harrison Bryant last week were giving the Bears some problems, and Baker wasn't always able to hit him, and that's why he, didn't, he doesn't stand out as Roquan giving up like a huge specific play, but he was off a little bit in coverage. He gave up the touchdown behind him in the end zone, you might remember. And so it's not. this is not like a, I'm a big concern about Roquan. It's just it's another really good tight end matchup, and teams have found some of that success against this Bears defense dating back multiple years. So if they can get him on some crossing routes and get those linebackers, again, in tough man coverage, you got to be physical then with these tight ends. And that's why I'm more inclined to bracket somebody like Hawkinson, where maybe it's, it's Roquan man-to-man coverage, but then who's ever the deep safety, you're going to pay the closest attention to where Hawkinson's going to go. If he breaks outside... All right, that's going to be a shorter route, and the safety can't get over there anyway. But anything kind of across and over the middle of the field, I want my safety help a little bit more there because, again, I don't trust their wide receivers to consistently beat me deep down the field. If they start doing it, if they do it once or whatever, okay, we'll go too deep, and we'll back off a little bit, and we'll say, okay, let them run the ball a little bit more. Trust that your front six in nickel packages can stop the run well enough. They've been able to do a decent enough job doing that, but you can adjust as the game goes on. But I want to start aggressive there, but aggressive knowing that I might need my help more so against Hawkinson because if they want to dump it off to Swift in the backfield, you know, three yards behind the line of scrimmage every time, just step up and make the tackle, right? Day one, make make tackles. It's been a problem for Eddie Jackson. It's been a problem for Tashawn Gibson. It's been a problem for Alec Ogletree too, but these cornerbacks have been strong and physical in run defense and stepping up, making tackles after the catch. I'm, I'm more okay to let, let those through. You can throw those checkdowns all day, and we'll, we'll put you in those long down-and-distance scenarios like we talked about, especially then because I trust Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn versus the rookie, Panay Sewell, who was a top-ten pick for a reason. I mean, he's, he's going to be a great offensive tackle, but it's been hit-and-miss for him. He, started, he practiced all year at right tackle, and they bumped him back to left tackle late after they had an injury. They've really kind of bungled that. They've lionsed it from the very start. So he's he's still getting readjusted, and Khalil Mack is going to, in theory, make him crap his pants once or twice. So that's that's where I'm going. And the other offensive tackle is a man named Matt Nelson, and I can't tell you if that's a real player or a Madden 22 creative player that they just made off the streets. He actually played at Iowa and I think was a, an undrafted free agent a couple of years ago. I mean, he's he's a real player, but the joke is, I mean, generic starting offensive tackle in there because of injuries. Uh, Robert Quinn can pick up where he left off last week against those two guys collapsing on the outside. Goff is not the most fleet of foot to be able to really kill you with his legs there. So I think I'm seeing some advantage there. Even the interior, the right guard, Halupalu Vati Vaitai, the former Eagles offensive tackle, whose name I just pretend to be able to pronounce correctly. And if I say it confidently enough, you believe me. <laughs> Vaitai I got for sure. Big V is what they used to call him in Philadelphia. I mean, give me a key mix in that matchup. Every single day. And if, if Eddie Goldman were able to be back, which I, I'm not expecting at this point, I think you can get some something there. But Frank Ragnar, the center, is good. And he's, he's a tough guy to crack in terms of beating them with different blitz looks and protections to try and, you know, fool them. He's, he's going to be pretty well on top of things. So it's got to be Mack and Quinn in their one-on-ones versus these offensive tackles. Or if they want to help the tight ends and running backs chips, that's fine. But then it's going to slow down those routes developing downfield. And that's when, you know, the Akeem Hickses of the world, or maybe you send Roquan Smith on a blitz or something, right? That's when you can kind of find some room there. It does limit the offense a little bit when you have to chip that much. It's part of why Matt Nagy didn't as much last week, but that's probably a rehashing a whole other topic there. So I think offensively there, I feel all right about the Bears' ability to clamp down on what Jared Goff and the Lions really want to do there. Other side of the ball for, for, for Justin Fields, 
We have seen this Lions defense and their linebackers and safeties also struggle with tight ends. Mark Andrews for the Ravens had a huge game last week. I think Robert Tanyan had some pretty good success for the Packers back in, was that week one or week two? Or I'm getting my weeks mixed up for the Lions. But regardless, they've given up some plays to tight ends. George Kittle as well was week one. Packers was week two. Ravens last week. We haven't seen the Bears tight ends really be all that impactful. Jimmy Graham has been a non-factor. Komet's had a couple of things here and there. A couple of things called back by penalties that would have inflated his stats a bit more. But I think there's a matchup there the Bears can win. Those maybe take a little bit more time. And so that's why you need Goff to get, or you need Fields to get out of the pocket and extend plays designed with rollouts. So you can get the tight ends a little bit more involved that way. But I, I think there's a real opportunity there to, again, get them going on some crossing routes and work those seams vertically. The Lions defense has given up some big plays, some really big plays downfield. Their secondary is not strong. And so if you can attack them vertically, if you have the time to do so, that's where I want to see Justin Fields because that's where he's been so much better. You know, those short curls and the timing slant routes, especially when there's pressure that we saw last week against Cleveland, is not what he has done well in his career. It's not his strengths. It's not what Ohio State set him up to do. But to be able to get some of those more, you know, downfield developing concepts is where he should have some success. And so when I look at these Lions cornerbacks struggling against some speed, you know, Debo Samuel in week one, uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown dropped a couple of potential touchdowns last week, but he was torching them up and down the field. To me, this is a Darnell Mooney game, maybe even a Marquise Goodwin game, but just get both of your speed guys going, get vertical, win at the line of scrimmage. If they want to be physical with you up front, press it. I mean, the Bears can, Bears can win those matchups. If they're going to play off coverage, then you got to start adjusting a little bit more and work some things underneath that a little bit. You can still have the vertical guys to keep them off and take the top off a little bit, but then use that vacated space underneath. That's where fields should be able to find some of that success because the, the cornerbacks in Detroit, again, are, are still very much a work in progress for them. Amani Oruye, their fifth-round pick from a couple years ago, is, is playing decently well. He's he's sort of, sort of developed in their system a little bit. But Jeff Rakuda, their former first-round pick from a couple years ago, the top three pick, he's on injured reserve, so they've gone with couple of different guys in there. I think A.J. Parker's been in there, Jacob, Jerry Jacobs. I mean, it's been, it's been a little bit rough for them at the cornerback spot. And so the Bears receivers weren't necessarily separating as well as you'd like last week. They weren't getting open as quickly as they needed for Justin Fields. But if, if you can give Fields a little bit more time, there should be explosive passing plays to be made in this one. It's just it's an if at this point as to whether or not he will actually have the opportunity to capitalize on them. So the formula is there. Right? I mean, the Lions are a very beatable team. They're 0-3, right? The Bears are favored for a reason. They, quote-unquote, should win this game. But they, last week against Cleveland, has not given very many Bears fans a lot of faith that Matt Nagy's going to be able to exactly figure out exactly how to do this with Fields. I predict the Bears' offense is going to look a lot better this week. We're going to feel like maybe they figured something out, and then the schedule is going to get a lot more difficult on paper, and maybe we'll turn up that heat once again. But I, I do feel like for now... It'll be enough improvement to get the job done, but it's not going to be pretty. And the Lions, the Lions will be better than I think a lot of Bears fans initially think when you see, well, they're 0-3 again, same old Lions. I don't think that's quite the case, but I do think there are some very clear weaknesses that the Bears can attack. And you just got to make sure you, you keep an eye on their strengths too to make sure that Hawkinson and those running backs aren't destroying you all game with plays after the catch in Goff, making it too easy on Jared Goff. It's all about making it easy on the Bears quarterback, making it difficult on the Lions quarterback. doesn't have to be much more complicated than that. Whatever happens, you can make sure we'll all break it all down for you right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, however you're listening, whether it's on YouTube or we're free and available on all platforms. Subscribe, follow, whatever the terminology is on your app to make sure that you're keeping up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. 
We'll recap the game on Monday for you. All the big moments. We'll break down the All-22 film after that. Before you know it, we'll get into our crossover Thursday and start getting you ready for the next Bears opponent and every opponent from here on out. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following along with us. I hope the Lockdown Bears podcast has helped you get through the ups and downs of the season so far. There's going to be a lot more of those. That's absolutely sure. But I hope either way, it's just a little bit easier for you to bear down.